This podcast is sponsored by Safe House Rehab Thailand, the premier drug and alcohol rehab dedicated to enhancing the science of recovery. First, a plug for my sponsor, who has given me the opportunity to help the families and loved ones of alcoholics and addicts better understand the nature of the disease and what they can and shouldn't do about it, shouldn't try to do about it. We say in our podcast and blog that our primary goal is to help you make an informed decision at this critical stage of your life. Safe House Rehab Thailand represents the modern approach to recovery, founded on safety, which is why we absolutely outperform traditional rehabs when it comes to intake and detox, technology, and aftercare. To learn more about our modern, advanced approach to recovery, we invite you to visit safehouserehab.com or send your questions and comments to info at safehouserehab.com. is Bruno J. And today we're going to interview and have a discussion between Adam, who is celebrating his two years of continuous sobriety, and Tony, whom you've heard from before, who has over four years of continuous sobriety and also happens to be our brilliant young sound engineer. Uh, Let me first share my experience with, um, as a house coordinator for two years at a sober living facility, also called a halfway house in the beautiful city of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We're at zero degrees right now, by the way. Uh, It's the home of many breweries, and it's the home of many bars, and it's where I sobered up 27 years ago. This is what I learned as a house coordinator. I learned the difference between BS and commitment, and I also learned that the longer you stay in a recovery environment, the better off are your odds. So with that, I'm going to hand it back to Tony, Thank you, Bruno, and hello. Nice to be here. And hi, Adam. Nice to have you here with us today as well. We sat down earlier and we talked about a few things and we've written down some topics that we thought we would share, which could be useful to the audience. And starting off with myself, I I came from a very, very difficult place with alcohol being my primary addiction, where forecasts were not too good, or the outlook was not too good for me. I was on the edge of, well, my heart stopped twice and I was to the point where I could not live and I didn't know how to function. For me, it wasn't easy to get to where I am. It couldn't have happened without the help of my family and friends. But I think the most important thing to understand, it, it, despite my family and friends helping me get to that first initial stage, the real change is what I've learned over time now especially, is for every single person, it, is, it has to come from within. And certain individuals, they don't, they don't know how to go about it. And my heart and my time is, you know, I'm really set and I'm dedicated to wanting to help others go through this process or get into just the first foot through that door to be able to start that process of recovery and make it easier, smoother, swifter, and not have to go through the amount of pain that I went through, if it's possible. So hi, Adam. Nice to have you here with me. And what I would like to ask you to start with was how do you feel about recovery taking its course hi uh yeah hi yeah hi uh tony and uh bruno thanks for having me on your podcast again hi listeners i'm adam so how recovery is taking its course well it's, it's amazing that i've reached two years of continuous sobriety clean time just just a few days ago so i'm still sort of a bit shocked <laughs> in that sense that that, that i've been able to do it but it's not that I've been able to do it. It's come through the recovery process. And as you were saying, Tony, the, the help from others like yourself and, and Bruno, 
to, to get me here but also putting in the hard work having having to do that work there's something that we do say to each other is if I spent as much effort and time in how I was in my addiction my active addiction of trying to get more alcohol and drugs into into recovery and now sort of learning to to live life it's just going to it's taking me to places <laughs> that I, that I, that I never imagined possible and and like yourself 2 years ago when I when I walked into recovery so something saved me I don't know what but I I remember you know a week or two before I came to rehab just sitting on the floor with a blade in my throat just not wanting to live anymore and I came from a really good family loving parents I had a job I was uh, it's a middle class family so I, I didn't really have anything to want for I I had all the luxuries and things but what ended up happening was that drugs and alcohol I didn't really have I had a primary which would probably be towards the end alcohol and then benzos so um and codeine uh, pills but prior to that I was into to other A class drugs and it was, we call it the progression of our our, our addiction so anything that would change the way that i felt or would give me a low or a high which would take me out of myself which would which i now know as me not wanting to accept reality as it is for me i would take <laughs> and it, but somehow the my my unsatisfaction i guess with with things led basically the drugs took me to a place where i ended up wanting to to commit suicide because it had gripped me so much that they it become that obsession and compulsion and it was the focus point of my life so the moment i woke up the first thing i would think about is taking the pill and then how am i going to get to the bar how am i going to get more money to get to the bar how am i going to do this so anything that came in the way was that uh, contributed to me taking drugs was a positive and i would twist that as well so relationships with people i would manipulate that to 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 get what i wanted but i was never satisfied so ultimately 2 years on where am i i am i'm happy joyous and free <laughs> as we say and i'm and i'm coming to contentment i am actually really content and and satisfied with the with where i'm at at the moment but with my future and i have a desire to live so amazing yeah that <laughs> that's amazing. that that's it in a nutshell uh, i would say in the in the journey in the first year just to summarize it was more about overcoming my my physical but mental obsession with drugs so coming to one i thought it would take a few months to be honest it ended up being a year and then towards coming towards the, the second year what i'm where i'm at now is more understanding how i can live life responsibly and building a relationship with myself people places and things so that's the that's the focus now yeah my foundation is to understand that i can never use drugs again because if i use if i if that's where my my diseases we say and that's what the, the perception that i have of it manifested itself and if i go back to that i will end up crumbling again and affecting everyone else around me and ultimately myself there's a thing that i say to myself which is it is better and it gets better Mm-mm. you know and that's that's all i remember and this is and it's becoming simpler yeah in the beginning yeah you probably don't remember in the first year it was like oh, it's so complicated i'm running around my head's just doing hamster wheels whereas now 
I can I can take a pause. I, I, I'm slower in life. I enjoy life. I've come to understand is that I need to become powerless to become powerful, and that's understanding that I have no control over other people, places, and things. Which is when I want control, that means I end up becoming a person who manipulates to get what I want, which was the way that I used to get my drugs, and it was very selfish. Now I'm coming, like you said before, is to understand to live a selfless life, and it's better. I look after myself as well, and those around me. But I, but I try to, 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 to help others, and it's a better way that I've taken. Yeah, no, I, I like what you're saying, and I like um, what I'm hearing very much. Is it's what I, what I feel with the recovery process as a whole. It's it all begins mm. as soon as you fully accept the help. And you accept to want to change because anything before that, anything that's colluding with that, any kind of restraints, which which I certainly had, mm-hmm. I can say I had that. Um, the re- the actual recovery process can't start there. You're still mm-hmm. before the. This is the before the beginning, and it's only after you kind of accept. Yes, I. You know, I. I'm asking. I'm putting my hands out, or whatever it is, in whichever way. I, I want the help. I need the help. I, I'm dedicated to getting this help now. Things start to mm-hmm. change, and and that cannot happen on your own you need guidance with that and the sooner you get that guidance the quicker you can get on that right path and i strongly believe you know with the the people that i've met on my journey is that anyone can get this anyone can get this and and obviously there are struggles with this for every individual person and every single person's journey is entirely different however the process is the same the process itself is the same and it's taking that help so I mean, we're, we're, we're further down the line than, than uh, where we were. You know, we're in much better places. But, you know, certain things still come up. I mean, I'm very happy with myself and the way I'm living and things that are happening. And I am genuinely enjoying life now. You know, I really am, which is a massive, massive factor because I was very unhappy. And it's not, not to say that there can't be circumstances in which I'm unhappy. Mm. However, as a whole, as a person, as a, as a being, I am far happier. So we talk about, yeah, I talk the, about, you know, the gifts of recovery, small things, very simple things like, you know, waking up in the morning with a clear head, you know, going to bed and being able to sleep at night. Very basic things, mm. which were not there at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really, yeah, sort of concur with what you're saying, Tony. You, you touched on something like you said restraints and yeah, that just made me think, you know, the chains of how I was chained by addiction and to, to drugs. And like, it's like those chains have sort of been broken. Um, and you're talking about the gifts of recovery. There have been countless gifts of recovery now that I can appreciate the small things and, and the, which lead to the bigger things. Mm-hmm. Um, and each person's journey is different and unique. Mm-hmm. But if there is a process through it, mm-hmm. I, I strongly believe if we stay the course and, and something you, 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 we actually were discussing before we, we came on here was, yeah, guidance and help. It, it was key for me and throughout this process and, it, and even now, which I did yesterday, was understanding that I need help. Because in my addiction, I thought I was alone. And it was always, I was very selfish and greedy for, for, for the way that I lived my life. So one thing that I've come to sort of in the last few months understand about myself is that have this sense of a feeling of being a part of rather than a part from. And being in, a, in recovery and a recovery community for a period of time, for me, my recovery community now is, is going to 
12-step uh, fellowship meetings or other forms of that. And it really has is, is, uh, allowed me to develop a community which helps me, yeah, to stay clean and sober, which it, it w was the foundation that, that was built in the first year and a year and a half. But now it's also to get solutions in life because I had spent so long, like yourself, you, you were saying, in that state of, of addiction, looking that I didn't know how to sort of deal with life, and now, I, now solutions are coming up. And if I give an example, I was in a meeting yesterday, in a 12-step fellowship meeting yesterday, and one of the fellow members was sharing one of their experiences to do with sort of a family financials. And I went and spoke to them afterwards, and I was able to understand how I can apply a similar process to my life whereas previously I wouldn't have done and I would have been drinking and doing drugs and being resentful and angry towards my family whereas now we ha I have a solution and today morning picked up the phone and we came to a solution with my family and it was very freeing before it would, there would have been conflict around it I would have been blaming and then there, were, there may have been uh, feelings of guilt and shame um, as, as you <laughs> would understand in certain areas yeah and as a whole, this mm. is essentially a healing process. Mm. So we heal ourselves and then, you know, it's not something that happens overnight and we mm. constantly learn and as more time passes, we get stronger. It's like laying some concrete. It's like literally you throw the concrete out there once you begin kind of thing. And it's there, it's there and you practice on yourself and you've got wet concrete sitting there. However, it's still wet. It's not, it's not solid. Mm. I mean, it takes time for that concrete to settle. You know, and once that concrete settles, you know, you're constantly adding to it, whether it be reinforced steel poles and then another floor and another floor and another floor. It's constantly moving. But being able to start that is is a whole changing process in our thinking and our behavior. Mm. And when I, once our behavior and our thinking, which constantly keeps going, things become easier. Life becomes easier. Situations, everything that we were in before, it's, it's, it's not overclouding it, but it's... We, we weren't in very good places. It's not essentially who we are. That was who we were under the influence of certain things and restrictions of life. And we turn to, whether it be substances or this, to cope with our feelings the way that we are. And we've essentially, learning how to deal with our feelings, leaning, uh, learning how to deal with the scenarios and everything else, and rebuilding ourselves to a place where perhaps we were before in life. However, building on that and essentially creating new beings, better beings. How about with family, your family? I'll, I'll touch on my one. My, my parents, it's in the past. This is quite easy for me to say because I had a very good childhood. There's nothing there that I can complain about. It's not I come from a bad place and I was pushed or forced into any of the things. My, my feelings led from relationship problems and betrayal and distrust and I, I went into a very erratic state and, and I really started to destroy myself from that. And during my, my period of using and which was very long, you know, a long four, five, six years, tedious, tedious years. I changed and I destroyed and ruined a lot in my very small, tight family. And my parents didn't understand it. They didn't understand what I'd become and anything like that. And, you know, I'm, even being further down the line now, it's taken an awful lot of time, effort and work to rebuild those very much broken relationships with my family. And the results that I have now between myself and my mother, between myself and my father, I can only relate to that as back to when I was a kid, that everything was rosy and merry and that, but that's my experience. But the change is drastic, however, it took a lot of time.
Yeah, yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I think yeah, families. Uh, it's it's a tough one. Myself, um, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I I didn't really look for the so during the first only till recently have I been getting back in touch with my family. <laughs> and uh, I, I remember my brother got married a year ago, and I was in recovery by that time, and I didn't get invited to the wedding, so I was quite resentful and things. And uh, I was sharing this uh, to to another fellow uh, addict about a week ago. And they looked at me and they said, well, you know what? I wouldn't have invited you at my wedding either if you were using. So I, I understood it then. And it, and it was freeing to understand that. that it wasn't actually my brother's fault or really my fault. I, 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 can't, I don't place the blame so much. I did what I did, but now I have the opportunity to take responsibility for my life. And, and, yes. And, and, yeah, yes, yes, <laughs> it's yes. key. It's responsibility for 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 oneself, and but understanding, like you said earlier, on the concept of move a muscle, change your thought, taking action for, for myself, and and that also sometimes. So the different learning the difference between reacting and responding. So just diverting a bit from family, but it comes into it because feelings is a, is a major part of why I act out. And my biggest acting out occurred through the addiction. It just became, grew and grew. So taking drugs and alcohol was the best way for me to mask and put on a, something of my feelings so I didn't have to address it. Coping mechanism for yeah, the feelings. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, coping mechanism, yeah. And I became a very rageful, angry person. And that slowly, as the process goes on, is being lifted. And I'm calmer, I'm happier with myself. But... It's okay to, what I'm understanding through this recovery process is it's okay to have feelings and not react on them. So I can be sad, I can be hurt, and I can be joyful, and I can be, be excited, but I don't necessarily have to act on them. Because when I get angry, that's very, it can become very destructive because I go to rage very quickly. Uh, that's another part of my, my, my addiction as well. Uh, it's manifested in that. So coming to understand that I am feeling the way that I'm feeling are my feelings and not because you made me feel that way. And that's a very important aspect that I learned in in building my relationship with my family. I'm not I'm not married and I and I don't have any children, but it, it my brothers, my brother and my sisters and my mother and my extended family, even my close friends, which I didn't have any, I believe before I came into recovery, but I was actually wrong because three friends have sort of recently come back into my life who have always been my friends, but I felt that I couldn't be their friend, but I turned it around and blamed mm-hmm. them. So that's a, sort of mending the, the, rela- the relationships with them. But like you said, yeah, the feelings, so they don't, whatever they do, I'm powerless over, and I can accept my part in it, mm-hmm. and then also accept their part in it. And we work towards a, the, the commonality being, just living and being a human mm-hmm. being. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it, it's big, like, uh, what really one of the biggest things that was my influenced me actually when it came to family was my nephew and niece. I was probably uh, about six months into into recovery. It was quite stagnant. I was all over the place. My emotions and I didn't actually know if I would wanted to stay in recovery. I was working a twelve step. Well, actually, I wasn't. I mean, that's like it was. It, I was sort of in and out of this twelve step fellowship, just attending it because I had to. As part, I was still in a, in a in a rehab system, which was, and then one of the we had a sober coach uh, who would run through the twelve step process with us, and also I had a counsellor, 
and I was more focused around the, the the counseling, but still, and I was, I was just staying in in recovery there, and that was because I knew I didn't want to go back out; I would die. But I wasn't recovering anything, and that was, and, and I, I believe I could have gone out. Then one day, I finally sort of surrendered and asked for help, and I attempted to look at, at the, we we say uh, step one, and look at my part in my addiction and see the damage that I'd, I'd caused. I knew it here and there. And as I was doing it, I realized one of the biggest, for me personally, the biggest damages that I did without even knowing that I was, was to my nephew and niece, that I denied them the fact of having an uncle. Because of my behavior, I was drunk at my niece's baptism. I didn't go to my, my, my nephew's baptism. Actually, I didn't even go to my grandmother's, both my grandmother's funerals because it was more important for me to, it was over the weekend, so it was more important for me to go and get hammered on my own in my, in my flat. Uh, I'll tell you that. And, but when I look back at it, it, was, it just didn't make any sense. But you, yeah, and, and indirectly, when I came into recovery, my nephew and niece, my, my niece was three years old and my nephew one, I didn't have much of a relationship with them, but it also affected me that I denied them an uncle and I denied myself a family. By, by my behavior. So they were just innocent and they wanted to, to, to love me, but because of my behavior, whenever I would see them, I'd keep myself away. As they were babies, I, I didn't even want to pick them up because they would get in the way of me and a family do holding my, mm-hmm. <laughs> two drinks in my hand mm-hmm. if I had to have it as an example. Uh, but just the simple little things. Whereas now I have, the, even, though, even though I'm in a different country, I do have the opportunity now to when I go back to really build that relationship mm-hmm. and, I, and I told my sister about this who, who is the mother of my new niece obviously mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and, and she she was quite pleased because she always used to try and invite me to to events uh, so I would get to know them but in the end she gave up uh, and our our relationship became restraint as we said and by being restrained they were it was put into chains you know she felt unsafe having her children around me, or felt her children were unsafe around me as well. And when I look back as well, the times that I were, there would always be someone hovering around if I was near them. Uh, I'm, I'm not a dangerous person on that. It's just that I could have inadvertently in my drunken state or my, uh, my drugged state hurt them as kids and that's that's important to know uh, because I do have now friends, I'm speaking for others, friends who have children in the family. I mean, uh, children in my uh, network of, of recovering fellows and it's important to, to sort of look at those issues I, I, I feel I don't know I've gone off but this is, no but that's it's completely <laughs> yeah. true because yeah. this is it all is again going back to the recovery process right mm. so so we do look back at how others perceived us in a certain way in our active using and in our in our drug taking our drinking our using we were perceived in a certain way by mm. most importantly by the people who were closest um. to us they saw it and they saw the changes now it's not until later down in our recovery process per se do we really start to look into that understand that and then are actually okay about that because there's one thing talking about at the beginning that you feel guilt, you feel shame, you feel mm. all these things that you're uncomfortable with. But it's, again, this is further down the line in the process where you really truly understand who you became, what we were, how we acted and how others perceived us. And it's mm. not un- only until we, you, know, you really understand how did we individually upset or hurt that person, that person, that person, that person. See it through their eyes 
really look at what we did and then understand it, how, um, can we start to rebuild that with them? Because at first we're oblivious to this. We really are completely unfazed, oblivious, and we don't even, well, I certainly didn't. I didn't know about it. I didn't think about it. And I learned a lot from it. But that was, again, part of my guided, let's say, recovery process. That's done throughout the um, AA and NA practices in the 12 steps. It's done in other ways with counsellors. It's done with others in smart recovery. But it's how you address those things. However, it's always, again, part of our own recovery process, which is what I strongly feel about. That, yeah, uh, what you said there was uh, Tony, the, the word being own um, it's sort of like yeah we have to take responsibility for mm. ourselves I mean I can't make sort of amends or or I wish to have a, a relationship with my family, they may not wish to have with some of them, they may not wish to have a relationship with me but I can come to accept that and that, that mm. ultimately doesn't mean I need to go out and act out in any form, go and, go and do drugs or drink or that I'm a bad person mm. I think that's where I'm coming out mm. to, to get over some of the things that I did and just do the best that I can now because now I do have the opportunity. That's what I realise. Mm. I have opportunities, possibilities opening up. Uh, before this we were talking about the, you know, it's, uh, the gifts of recovery and then the doors are opening up for myself. And it's got to the stage where I do need to ask help because I'm not used to having so many doors <laughs> open up for me and I don't actually know mm. which one to go through. And it's the same, yeah, with, with my relationship with my family, sometimes just focusing on that. The amazing thing is that at the moment I focus with, with my mum and my sister, but my brother over the last two months has come back into my life and we're having conversations over the phone for an hour, two hours. And it is, he's 13 years older than me, so there's a big, big difference. But it's, it's, it's like we're f sort of becoming friends. And I don't really know him at all. But I get to now the, the opportunity to, to know him as a friend. And we've got a lot in common, which I didn't, didn't think of before. But it was weird because he was asking for some of my experiences through an advice yesterday, which I could have never imagined in my first year. Because it's a process. You were saying uh, in the first year, there were times where I thought it, it was so bad that I, I don't deserve to be in recovery. But the key is, is keep it simple and keep coming back just is what we say and keeping it in the beginning it was it, it, we, we're saying a lot of words I do believe in this podcast but it can be a, my recovery right now is I try to make it quite simple and that's the that's the key to to staying in sobriety and not picking up another drink but also living happy joyous and free uh, to hopefully get to where you're at well, learning how to take mm. responsibility for your actions, mm. really accepting that, and then you realise that suddenly you didn't know what the ball was, um, or where the ball is, <laughs> and then suddenly now it's the ball is in your court, mm. and you are making the right decisions, or you're able to make these right decisions which you weren't able to make before. Tune in next week for the next episode of Busting Addiction and Its Myths, where we now have our weekly episodes titled by topic for you to search and download at your leisure, all in the interest of busting some mess and bringing you the truth about the face of addiction and alcoholism today.